Welcome to the Woman Unleashed podcast. I am your host and coach, Kelly Kristen, and my mission is to have every woman know her worth, speak her truth, and unleash the fierce feminine power within to live life in full expression. If you are wanting to experience more joy, pleasure, deeper connection to your femininity, sensuality, and spirituality, you are in the right place. This podcast will give you the tools and guidance you need to transform yourself and life from the inside out. I am so happy to have you here. Now, get ready to unleash. Hello, sisters. Thank you so much for joining me today for another episode of the Woman Unleashed podcast. I'm so grateful and happy that you are here. I hope wherever you are and whatever you are doing that you are feeling happy, healthy, and whole because you are and you are absolutely beautiful and perfect just as you are. Just wanted to share that with you in case you forgot. And I'm very excited for today's episode because I am speaking to the amazing Oni Love. Um, She is an absolute gem. You are going to love this conversation. We get into so many great topics, really uh, her journey of discovery into herself and her African roots and really devoting herself to that path, but also how you can tap into your ancestors and to begin doing the healing work that is so important within yourself and especially during this time of such civil unrest. This is such brilliant, important work to do. So I'm so excited to bring you this conversation today. And Oni is a healer and an artist. Uh, She utilizes different modalities of sound healing, pure bioenergy, spiritual life coaching. She is a practitioner of Ifa. And she is on her own journey to priestesshood, which is also something that we get into. So if you're interested in that, you're absolutely going to love this episode. Of course, I will have all of her links in the show notes because I know you are going to want to follow her, connect with her, and really see what she is all about after you listen to this. And without any further ado, here's today's episode. So Oni love where does that come from yes, how did yes. that happen <laughs> like I love it I have to know everything about it so Oni is actually an abridged version of and a name that I have within the Igbo tribe or culture so my family background is West African on my maternal side I'm Yoruba so that's one tribe that is primarily in Nigeria and then on my paternal side I am Igbo and so that's a completely different tribe also primarily in Nigeria, completely different languages. There's similarities within the cultures because it's West African culture, it's Nigerian culture, but they're completely different groups. And so I have names from both sides. And so on my dad's side, the full name is actually Onyinyechi. So Onyinyechi, and that translates roughly to God's gift. But oh, many African names that I know of <laughs> are, are t- typically longer. And, and the naming system and tradition in many African cultures, I want to say many indigenous cultures that I am familiar with or aware of to a degree, the names mean something specific. 
not often will you have a situation where someone's just given an arbitrary name just because the parent liked it. I mean, it could be that they like it, but it's also speaking to something specific, whether it's referencing an ancestor that has passed or situations that have occurred for that child in the birthing process or for the family and what that child is there to bring. So my name, uh, Onyinyechi, means God's gift. And so they'll abridge the names because they're so long. So sometimes right. I'll be called Oni, sometimes Onyinye. So I often heard Oni growing up in addition to my legal name, Felicia, growing up. So I just kind of went by both. And so how I started using Oni actually in the public happened with an ex of mine. <laughs> interesting. Uh, those enough. stories are always fun. So, uh, <laughs> it's, it's always interesting because honestly, you know, family always called me Oni for the most part. I mean, my sisters called me, it was, I just, I had a mixture, but for the most part, family called me Oni and everyone else called me Felicia. So school called me Felicia, at work they called me Felicia. So I was actually used to hearing both names and just navigated both realms being referred to by both vibrations. And I had a partner in my mid late twenties who had a daughter and he introduced me to his daughter as Oni. And then he started introducing me to other people as Oni and at first, I thought that's strange hearing other people outside of my family call me Oni, but I kind of liked it and I got mm -hmm. used to it. And then also right around that time, I started training capoeira, which is an Afro-Brazilian martial art. Yeah. You're familiar with it. Yes. And so within that system and that tradition, they have a naming ceremony as well to give the students right. a specific name and coming into that kind of community, that culture, and meeting a friend of mine who's super like about social like equity and justice and things. And I told her, oh, my name's Felicia, but I also have another name. And it's kind of cool that you guys have a bunch of names too. And she was like, oh, she's like, you got to use Onyi. You got to use Onyi. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. <laughs> so it was this interesting thing of just yeah. that name kind of seeping into kind of the rest of everyone else basically outside of family. But I think it also speaks to the idea that we're all family. Yeah, you have your right. family and they'll have specific things that you know are pertinent to them and that only they'll have access to. And I think moving into this place where, you know what, everyone's your family. And you know, having these different names is interesting because it gives me different levels of access to people or it gives them different levels of access to me. So some people who refer to me as Felicia may have one specific energy with me. Yeah. Other people who refer to me as Oni may have another energy with me. So that's how Oni came about. And then when I was developing my website, I was looking for something different and just the word love kept coming up, love, love, love. And I saw that they had an extension that was dot love and I had not seen anyone ever use that. Yeah. So I used that for my website and I think I had started before with my Instagram page because Oni was taken already. So I was like, oh my God, what do I use? Oni love. <laughs> then the website came. Then I released an album and Oni was taken as far as like, <laughs> as far as just a general artist name. So I was like, oh my God. And then just Oni Love, a friend of mine, I was talking to her on the phone while I was talking to her, I get the rejection of my, one of the names that I had submitted as an artist name. And I was so pissed off. And my friend was like, what about Oni Love? She said that exactly as I was having the thought of, I should just use Oni Love. Yeah. So that's 
that's basically the the birth of Oni and Oni Love. <laughs> that's beautiful. I love it. Well, because it's like, that's kind of, I guess, what it was always meant to be, right? And it's yeah. just, isn't it beautiful how things just work out in our lives and we don't really have to do anything. And <laughs> yeah, you know, someone said this too, I was on a, someone's live, a friend's live, and I was just a a witness and observer and she was speaking with someone else and I think I said a comment in the live and the person who she was having a conversation with didn't know me but she saw that I made a comment and she was like oh only love only love she's like huh that's so interesting yeah you know the first time I I heard it the first time I I read your name because we were just looking at your profile I was like only love only that's exactly what I said in my head too so it does invoke that and And then to also have such deep meaning for you and your roots Mm -hmm. is beautiful it's perfect it's like nothing else could have done that but spirit (laughs) so I love that (laughs) and then and so I think what's important for all the listeners to recognize too is it's one thing to, I guess, sort of live in the two different name sphere, right? Of having, um, you know, you being Felicia in school and, you know, growing up in California, but then really embodying Onyi and Mm. going to Africa and becoming onto this priestess path that you're now on. And I would love for you to share one, just how that came about, how you were living in California, you know, obviously with, with your deep Nigerian roots, but how was the decision for you to say, no, I need to go back. I need to learn this. I need this to be my life. It was again, spirit. It was all synchronicities. I, at this point have just surrendered to whatever spirit wants to do or how it wants to flow through me. And literally spirit will lead me places and will block places. Like I've literally had cars blocking an exit that I was trying to leave. And spirit's like, no, you're going to stay here. Right. (laughs) I just follow. And how this happened. So basically, so my upbringing was in terms of religion and spirituality was through the lens of Christianity. That's, you know, my parent, my father's side is Seventh-day Adventist. My mom's side, I believe she's was more Anglican in terms of her upbringing, but then we grew up more non-denominational Christian, but it was still the Christian lens. And I was super Christian. I was like the one to bring the Bible to school. And wow. so, yeah, I look back and I think, wow, that was a different person. But I was, for me, and I, I think this speaks to the fact that that connection to spirit and spirituality, which for me is everything. It's just a connection to life. How do we express our connection to ourselves, to life, to the higher being that we can't even really describe or understand and everything around us. So I've always had that deep connection and how it was funneled for me as a young kid was through Christianity. And so I was super Christian, taking the Bible to school, doing all the things in the Christian faith. And what kept coming up for me at a certain point, I would say in kind of my early adolescence, was this idea that I wasn't doing enough or connected enough to God. You know, what came up was the comparison with other people who I would witness having these visceral, really dramatic experiences. And I never had that. And I would think to myself, oh, then must be, there's, there must be something wrong with me. I'm not feeling that. Maybe I'm not connected to God. And I would dedicate and rededicate my life every single week 
to Jesus, think, like seeking that feeling. Cause we, in our society, we're so attached to the extreme and the just over the top that we don't really pay attention to the subtle. Yeah. And I think that was my first starting to really question my faith and kind of everything else that happened on top of that, looking, looking at things that were going on in my household with my parents and just some challenges that they were having, which was really tough on me and my sisters. By the time, and then also looking at a lot of what I found to be hypocrisy and things that didn't make sense for me in looking at the way that I was taught Christianity. And I think the combination of everything just kind of gave me a sour taste. And I just said, you know what? By the time I hit, by the time I left high school and hit college, I basically was like, I'm not Christian anymore. Like, forget this. I'm mad wow. at God. Does it make sense? Christianity doesn't make sense. And I'm good. I'm like, I really didn't have any religion. And that for me, that moving away and taking away that idea for me opened a space for me to then start learning about other traditions and practices. And when I was a junior, I think a junior or senior in college, I took an Afro-Latin percussion instruments class with a Puerto Rican teacher who had initiated recently into Santeria, into, um, into Ocha, um, he, Lucumi. And I was like, okay, he's dressed all in white. Like, who's this guy? And he goes and <laughs> writes his name on the board and he writes the name that, you know, those individuals going through that year of initiation, Iyawo, he writes that on the board. And I was like, uh, that, I recognize that word is Yoruba, my mom's language. Why did you write that word? He goes into this whole explanation about his initiation, this culture, the Orisha and everything. And my mind was blown. I said to myself, oh my God, this tradition that is found in Cuba and then learning later in Brazil and other parts of Latin America, the Caribbean, the US comes from my tribe. And I know wow. nothing about this, nothing about this, except for some words for the different, some names of the different deities that in modern day, expression were looked at negatively so words for you know names for deities that you know i've come to really love and appreciate and see the power of well some of those names were referenced as like the devil or other names that really cast a negative light and it just it just really blew my mind and i remember asking my mom oh my god mom did you know anything about this and then she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, da, 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 da. She could name the different deities and some of the other things. And again, I was like, Mom, <laughs> I never knew any of this. And that was literally what opened Pandora's box for me. And initially, it was more so because it was a music class and I'm a singer. So my teacher would make me learn the songs and lead the songs and play different instruments. So I, I had that rooting and foundation. And some of the philosophy and the spirituality came in because it's just all worked in, but there wasn't an overemphasis on it. And over time, as I was moving with different people that I would meet through those connections, taking dance classes and learning about the deities through movement, deepening in my level of understanding the songs, now going to rituals and ceremonies in the traditions of the diasporic practices, I started seeing more and more and more, but still wasn't really tapping fully into the spirituality. But at some point after meeting different priestesses, meeting the person who is now my priest, my own Babalao, who's a, a priest within this tradition, 
and getting different divinations, it was very clear that this was something that I really needed to look into. And this was ancestors that had brought me back, ancestors that had brought me to this place of reestablishing a connection to myself, to myself, to one aspect of my culture and really giving this practice a seat at the table because I still, I still have Christianity within my family. Come to find out later on, I have Islam in my family as well. And for me, it just, it makes perfect sense to have a representation of all the traditions that are encompassed within my family, giving them all a seat at the table. And for me, right. because this tradition, which Ifa or Orisha practice, Orisha worship, it contains so many of the different things that I already love, music and drumming and dancing, like those things, but also the philosophy, the ritual, the ceremony, divination, having good character, honoring the ancestors, which I've become deep, more deeply rooted in, being a good person, affecting others through your own good character, looking at all of life, all of nature as one, we're all connected, having honor and reverence for everything and seeing the sacredness of everything. It just, for me, it made the perfect sense to have this as a foundation in addition to just being connected to spirit in all sorts of other ways. So being somebody who came from such a strong Christian background, when you were first really getting interested in um, Ifa and all of these other aspects of that, did you come up against your own internalized Christian beliefs? What was that sort of destructuring like for you? Because I think that that's an issue for a lot of people, you know, coming from these really strict sort of Christian Catholic upbringings and then turning to spirit and turning to that broader sort of internal understanding. I looked back and wonder why I actually didn't have a strong reaction or a strong resistance to it as I could have. Looking back at my conditioning or my, my upbringing and like, oh my God, I could have been like, oh my God, this is so weird. But I was more like, ooh, what is that? And how <laughs> and where? I mean, I would watch people who are channeling or being, or who are now embodying these energies, these deities, these orishas. I would watch them in motion. And <laughs> whereas many other people would be like, oh my God, that's freaky, that's scary. I was like, what is that? Who is that? What are they here to say? Like, I want to, I want to hear what the message is. Like, it's like, again, seeking that connection, drawing myself closer and closer to it versus running away. So I didn't, I mean, I, I think, yes, different thoughts came up in terms of, okay, I've, I've learned that this is evil. This is negative. But I think my curiosity and my love for the practices that I was doing overshadowed those. You know, I looked at the dancing and the, the music and just the feeling of joy that I would experience. I looked at and listened to the lessons that my priest and other priests that I was familiar with were giving in terms of having good character, in terms of being in balance, in terms of being at peace. And it would just, for me, just really rooting in those lessons helped me break through whatever resistance I would have had given an upbringing that taught me that those things or anything outside of that was wrong. So I, I am actually, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate that I, I didn't have as much of a resistance within myself. I think it was more so just 
understanding and experiencing the resistance of people outside of me and combating or just really staying solid and grounded in the face of that. I was also getting into things like stones and crystals and tarot cards and all these things that are considered out there. And this was before I was really established in my practice of Ifa. So all these different things kind of were the building blocks. I was like weaving in and out of everything. And I would work with pendulums and then a friend gave me crystals and then I bought my own crystals and I was (laughs) doing all these, I was literally all over the place. And I think Perhaps it speaks to, I don't know if it's my Aquarian nature or something about just being in the, it's almost like seeing things from a different perspective and that kind of futuristic of like, no, all of these things are all saying the same thing, different languages, maybe different flavor in different ways, but I'm about all of it. (laughs) I love all of it. (laughs) About all of it. So I think my curiosity and my courageousness completely broke through any resistance I would have had. Um, And also, I think, again, moving away from, had I still considered myself a strong Christian and then heard about Ifa or other things, then maybe there would have been more of a resistance. But because I had made the decision and kind of cut it off for a certain amount of time and just really was in that space of nothingness or no religion, then it allowed for me to see these things with more neutrality than had I think come straight from still being, you know, a a solid Christian. Right. And so you begin practicing and obviously your curiosity is piqued. And I know that you are initiated now into Oshun Mm -hmm. um, as well as Obatala. Obatala, Obatala, Obatala. I love it. <laughs> and and on the journey of priestesshood, right? You mentioned you have your teacher, your priest. What does that really mean? Because I think for me, and I know a lot of the listeners on here that are in this uh, the realm of spirituality and especially spirituality in America, we hear these terms of like being on the path to a priestess and. <laughs> you know, evoking the priestess energy in yourself, but not, I know I don't have a super grounded understanding of what that even means to be initiated and what that process is actually like to say, I have been initiated and what Mm -hmm. being on the priestess path really means. It's so funny because, and this is (laughs) no offense to anyone, what I see oftentimes, and I to myself, have maybe played into it in the sense of just wanting to take on this these titles we get so hung up on titles like priestess goddess of this and da 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 and i think it's beautiful if it is your way of stepping into a place of empowerment because again we are all all of it right we're all all of it we all have all the energies depending on what your destiny what your path is what you step into more so and what you need to serve as for other people or your family or your community, that's different, but we all have everything within us. And at the same time, there's a level of humility and respect and training and settling into specific roles that are necessary for me before you can start designating yourself as something specifically you know we look at you again look so a lot of people may not necessarily know about this tradition but look at 
the traditions that we do know about and look at the clergy, <laughs> look at the Pope and everything. Right. Like they went through <laughs> however many You're years. Not just like I'm a bishop now. <laughs> a seminary school right. of all these different things. And even then it's not like, okay, now you're this and go right. ahead and do that. It's like, well, now you still have to do X, Y, Z. Oh my gosh. I am so happy you just put it that way because yeah, this has always kind of bothered me. And I just kind of really didn't know why, because I'm about, you know, evoking, we have the goddess within us. I believe, you know, we all are part of it. It is us. It moves through us. There's no separation and all of that. But I, I kind of did. Yeah. That's the thing that bothers me. Cause it's like, no, just because you are not an empress because you say you are an empress, right? Like, like what empire <laughs> are you leading? Maybe the empire of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> the empire of yourself. The church of yourself. Right, right. And it's you an know? energy. It's an energy thing. And you can, if that makes you feel empowered, I, you know, all for it. But yes, if you are going to say, I am a priestess and I am a priestess of this thing, I personally feel that, yeah, there has to be some kind of way that you get into that and some sort of check and balance there because otherwise it takes away the meaning. Checks and balances through teachers through elders, through the people that have come before you. And I think that's something else that in our society, um, and then I try to look at things from a positive, from a perspective of, okay, what are the things that are helping us, supporting us in alignment with us? And what are the things that, you know, maybe not so much, you know, there's something within our culture where there's a lessening of, or a lack of respect for elders, yes. for the teachers, Everyone wants it self-teach, which again, there's a beauty to that. And a lot of things only you can teach yourself. There's also this, I don't know if it's an anxiety about learning from someone else or someone else being the one to kind of give you specific things that you need to do and to be beholden to. I don't know what that is within our culture. And I think as I've been deepening within this spiritual practice, but also deepening within just my own roots and becoming more and more Yoruba, becoming more and more Igbo through readopting the language, learning the language again, taking and readopting the spiritual practices, like really looking at the cultural aspects. It's like really that level of apprenticeship, of learning from the master, of not even calling yourself a master till like your master say, okay, now you can. Um, it's, it's such an interesting thing to look at within our society. And I wonder if we'd be so much different across the board in all aspects and spectrums of society if we return to that place of honoring the elders, of being patient, of doing things systematically and learning and growing and just having humility. And I mean, my, my priest, Awo Fashegun, my priestess, uh, Ia Fayomi, they're like, look, you initiated, but you, you ain't a priestess yet. <laughs> Girl, do the mind's like, I'm like, but, but when can I, and da, 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 and why? Because again, people see that title and then right. it means something to them. And they're like, no, put in the groundwork. You, first of all, you still an incubation. I mean, I literally got initiated in November. It's like initiation, quarantine, <laughs> everything <laughs> So the thing is, you're like a baby. How would yeah. you, where would you, where would you take an infant to? How would you treat an infant? So spiritually, that's where you're at. So really settle into that. Take things slowly. Learn. Watch. 
listen as we tell you you are are okay to do things you can i always double check with them maybe sometimes too much i'm like hey can i do this um, I always check within my own guidance and my own divination, my self divination tools, even in terms of working with clients. I, again, it's like, I am operating with spirit. It's operating through me and I have to check my human ego ass right. <laughs> with yeah. all of that. And the spiritual ego ass too, because I think that that, <laughs> that can come into play. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what does it mean to be initiated and what was that? process like yeah so i mean there's a lot i can't go into sure. yeah <laughs> um and there's a bit that i can go into in terms of really making the decision to delve deeper and deeper and root and ground deeper and deeper in this tradition first and foremost in the connection with these deities so Oshun and Obatala and Oshun, I mean, it's it's difficult to really give descriptions to these deities to really <laughs> encompass their fullness, but oversimplifying a description about them, you know, Oshun is an aspect of the divine feminine. Oshun is a female energy, female essence. She manifests through the rivers and streams and water. Oshun, I think the word Oshun means to seek. So that like, imagine water seeping through something. So it's like that magical, mystical element of life. Life is magical, life is beautiful. Oshun represents as a reflection of God's beauty, of God's love. You are here and beautiful. You are loved, you are here and beautiful. Oshun reminds of that. Oshun reminds us of self-reflection, of reflection in general, of community, of balance between the sexes and so many different things. Um, Obatala is an, uh, a male deity, male Orisha that deals with the mind. So, so Shun, like a lot of it is heart energy and flow and female and spirit. Obatala is this male energy that deals with seeing things from a higher perspective, sitting on high, not getting really bogged down by a lot of like the nitty gritty weeds and just all the little minutia that we can tend to get involved yeah. in. The intellect, the mind, um, that mental space. So for me, just being initiated into the two of them, which is not necessarily, I would say common, but within the lineage that I'm part of, um, under my own Baba, anyone who is initiated into Oshun receives Obatala. Anyone initiated into Obatala receives Oshun. They just go hand in hand. I think in some of the language um, of the tradition uh, in Nigeria, it's like their husband and wife. So it's like a marriage of those two energies. Again, like blending and really cohering like the heart and the mind and so for me to be initiated into them it's like i'm i mean i feel like there's a lot of different ways i could describe it and i maybe when i die and i'm in like the afterlife they're like this is what it actually means it's really delving into the mysteries of those orishas those energies and everything that they encompass in general but also how they manifest and work through me you know again we all if you look at things like astrology it's like well, we all have all the science it's like the orishas are here to help all of us and we all have aspects of them in us and they are there to help balance them and help us step into those energies in the event that we need them to help us balance so for me really delving into more and more the energies of Oshun and Obatala and throughout life I'll be in a continuous study and a continuous embodiment of these energies. I'm I'm a walking embodiment of 
them and I had the responsibility and everything that I do and everything that I say, every space that I am inhabiting to really represent them in the ways that I can with integrity, with respect, with honor. And I think as a priestess, you know, again, you have individuals that are practitioners or sometimes people may be bystanders, you know, they like the tradition and it's great, but they'll kind of dip in every now and then, which, you know, everyone has their own path. Mm -hmm. You have other individuals that are, you know, practitioners and they're following the tenants and incorporating it into their lives. I think that priestesshood uh, and all the different levels, like you're taking a different responsibility in terms of being uh, a leader in some ways, whether it's just for your family, it could just be something specific to, you know, this is for you and your family or your community, kind of a larger scale, the community at large, or in some way, shape or form, like the, the global community at large. It just depends again on everyone's destiny. What is your destiny? And what did you come here to do in order to help humanity progress forward? That's really beautiful. What a, what a great perspective. And I think what I'm noticing sort of a big difference of maybe what pulled you even into this sort of side of things is, is you started noticing the hypocrisy within Christianity. And then to hear you talk about uh, Ifa and just this whole process of how like truly grounded it is. And then also the point is really just be a good human. And if you want to be on this path, you need to embody it every second of every day, everywhere that you go. And that just like, even hearing you speak about that, I just feel like my heart, my heart is just like <laughs> expanding so much right now. I'm literally like vibrating a little bit. <laughs> like, this is because, so exciting. And even, I mean, it, and it's interesting because, you know, the ironic, maybe it's ironic, but maybe not just because I, that's just me. I'm in addition to deepening my understanding and my lifelong, it'll be a lifelong study of this tradition. I am actually also studying the Bible. Wow. <laughs> I started doing that recently and I'm doing so with a friend of mine who's also a practitioner of Ifa and is a minister in Christianity. Oh, and wow. the thing about Ifa and most, um, you know, African practices that are not, again, maybe Christian, because again, Christianity was in Africa <laughs> before the idea of like colonization and everything. Like it was, it was there, you know, again, I'm not too well versed on all the history, so I'm not going to go deep into it, but again, people need to really re-imagine, re-understand, shift their, their ideas of like African spirituality, like throughout the throughout the continent and all the different groups and tribes uh, and regions. What we think we know here is, is, is like such, <laughs> well, it's such whitewashed, like, that of, too. <laughs> of history. Like, this is that what too. happened. And it's just, it's crazy when you really start to break it down and look into it. Because everything that you think you know, everything written in U.S. history books is pretty much a lie. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy when you really start to get into it and look at some of the information that is out there. And yeah just the practices. And I guess I'm finding it a little bit interesting and you don't have to talk about this if you don't want to, but I guess <laughs> interesting because um, of, you know, both your parents having those roots in Nigeria and, and the, you know, the, when I think of the African culture and the, the 
big dance moves and the ritualistic drumming and all of that when when um, you know people were brought over here they weren't allowed to do those things right like that's where it kind of got stripped away and all of that beautiful culture that is just mesmerizing to watch you know I've seen people do African dancing where I'm just like oh my am, am I allowed to do that like that's crazy mm. it's so beautiful you know like mm. evoking spirits and and these beautiful things that you know, they weren't allowed to do it. It was like, it was stripped away from them. So I guess I find it interesting that, you know, your parents coming here and sort of knowing, yeah, oh yeah, but, but being very Christian. In going to Nigeria, because, you know, I went for my initiation last, end of last year, but I went prior to that and had a chance to visit ancestral lands, like literally village, the village where my ancestors came to and had their children over generations and my great-great-grandfather was the first to convert to Christianity. Now, my understanding is that he didn't convert and then say, forget our tradition, just Christian. <laughs> it's like, oh, again, and I'm still understanding and learning the history, but it's conversion, but still there was an amalgamation. There was still an amalgamation of like, okay, cool, we like this, we're gonna adopt it and we're still gonna practice. Now over generations, I think the practice of the traditional started to fade right. so that the practice of you know, Christianity or Islam became a little bit more dominant. And I'm still learning about that history. So it's, again, it's, it's kind of been in my family for a long time. Now with other people within the diaspora in terms of that kind of that violent stripping away you know, violence stripping away, violence suppression, that yeah, you couldn't play your drums. Right. You couldn't speak your language to each other. Anything that looked like any kind of semblance of you doing anything that <laughs> was from where you come from, that was a part of you. You were beaten for it, you were killed for it, you had right. to find other ways to do it. And they were in they were genius about it too. They hit it. They syncretized it. So again, it looks like, oh, look at those, you know, good slaves and they're, look, look how spiritual and Christian they are. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we are. But we're yeah. really actually praying to our, right. <laughs> we're praying to our deities and we're, again, we're going to hide it from you. And they, look at Capoeira. Capoeira, again, a martial, martial art mm -hmm. that was used as a form of resistance, as a form of just any protection. And it was also, you know, they were hounded by law enforcement. So what did they do? Oh, police are coming. Let's pretend we're dancing. Yep. And we're <laughs> so again, it's like even within the oppression and the atrocities and just the inhumanity of these conditions, they still found ways to be who they were and incorporate their language and other things. And it's interesting, like when you look at American culture and throughout the Americas or the Caribbean, and you see just how much the influence of African peoples has been. Yeah. A lot of these things where we don't realize the root is this thing, certain words you hear that have just become part of pop culture and all these things, it's like, hmm, yeah, that word, like, deep root of that word comes from this place, comes from that place, comes from this tribe, comes from that people. No, it's interwoven. Like there is no, the Americas does not exist without African peoples. 
One hundred percent. So many, on so many levels. So many levels. So much of our culture here, because I guess, in a way. I mean, I know in my own life, I reflect a lot on culture because I felt like I didn't have any. Like, I felt like my upbringing was, you know, my mom was, uh, her heritage is like Russian Jewish, but came over here and had to change their last name and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And, you know, she really never was super into her religion. Um, My dad was Italian Catholic, never really into his religion. They kind of just raised me like, oh, do whatever you want. I don't Mm. even know anything about my family. They are very secretive, Mm. (laughs) like, Mm. you know. So I always felt, and it always has what I feel like is sort of an issue we have in America, because I know I'm not the only one that's had that experience, is that we lack um, cultural what's the word I'm looking for? Rituals. We lack, Mm. you know, having a strong, this is my culture. This is what we do. And really bringing that forward to the next generation because Mm. we're such a mishmashed sort of country, you Mm. know? So it's been an interesting, um, just a lot of interesting reflections for me on my own journey. Like what I, I'm really drawn to, like, I love so many things in African culture that I just find so beautiful and so amazing and, um, and do see the influences of it here and almost in the hypocrisy of American society and all that, but that's a conversation for another day. But, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, but that's, and I think why I was so drawn to you and your story though, because, you know, being raised in America and you saying, no, like I'm going to get back to my roots and pull all of the cultural stuff that I know is within my bloodline, you know, in within me and pull it here. And I think that that's so valuable to have people like you that are here doing this work because it's so important. It's important that you go back and you pull these traditions into America. Definitely. And I think it's, it's always interesting because this idea (laughs) and it's a, the words black and white are so limiting, <laughs> but we've just, that's our language right now. So I'll just use it. But the idea that like whiteness or white culture doesn't exist, such a fascinating one to me because I think it then just, it continues to perpetuate this idea of like everyone else is the other or like, oh, your culture, oh, you're ethnic. It's like when mm-hmm. I hear, and, and you, I know you didn't say this, but it's like, as you were speaking, it's, it's, it caused me to think about a lot of the things that I reflect about when it comes to race and ethnicity and who, who are racialized or who are ethnicized and mm-hmm. who are not. And to me, it's like, well, no, everyone has an ethnicity. Mm-hmm. If we're going to put people in categories of race, everyone has race. We're going to talk about cultures everyone has a culture. It's just a matter of like, what is that culture now, whether it's been a fabricated culture because it's of circumstances or, you know, one culture was created because another culture was infringed upon. Like that's culture too. Mm-hmm. Like what is the actual culture of like Americanness or like whiteness? Um, or even like, you know, looking at black culture, you know, black culture in the U.S. in the Americas is kind of an amalgamation of a lot of different things. Yeah. And outside of the U.S., this idea of like black culture is an interesting one, too, because, again, it's like, OK, well, technically, if we really want to get down to it, like this idea of black or not, I'm, I'm Yoruba, I'm Igbo. And even then, it's like, were those even the names that like those people gave to themselves? I was doing some research and it's like the word Yoruba actually was given by another tribe for like my mom's people and what they call themselves is something different. So it's like all the the namings that we have done 
for other people, for ourselves, is an interesting thing to consider and to consider whether it has limited us in some ways or if it has allowed for us to be expansive. And I think during these times with everything crashing and burning and being completely transformed, the age of limitation is coming to an end mm -hmm. in whatever ways that looks. So it's like, for me, it's like, okay, no, no, no. Everyone like, no, know what your culture is because some aspects of that culture is like what needs to change, you know? And dig into your ancestry. It's like, yes, you have that Russian ancestry. So what is it? What does that mean? You know, mm -hmm. what aspects of Russian culture? Like, yes, giving up the name, one thing. Yes, not practicing the religions, another thing, but the ancestors speak through you. So in some way, shape or form, things from your ancestral people have come into play or are being suppressed. Right. And what are those things? And how do you get in touch with them? And doing ancestral work, and that's one of the things that was coming up really strongly today. I, I did an event. Um, but I woke up and I was also reading a message from our priest to my community. It was like, ancestors are really important right now. They're like all over this. Ancestors. Like, we are a walking embodiment of our ancestors. We will be the ancestors of our future generations. Like, it's all like past, present, future. Linear time doesn't really exist. So it's like, okay, I am my ancestors. What does that mean? Who were they? What did they practice? What did they speak? How did they see the world? What aspect of that flows through me? What aspect of that do I need to heal through me? What stuff did they go through that I need to heal on all sides? Because again, this whole like, oh, these people are facing this thing. How do we help them? It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> we're all in this together. Yeah. All of our ancestors suffered in different ways, mm -hmm. but how do we heal all of our ancestors and really knowing the ancestors and really digging into those cultural practices? It's like, okay, if someone who's, someone who's drawn to African drumming and other things, I'm like, great, wonderful, beautiful. What did your ancestors do? What drumming did they have? What dances did they have? How did they connect to the land? What rituals did they have? Because they probably had something. Mm -hmm. You might be so drawn to that culture. Yes, because maybe there is that connection. And perhaps your ancestors are also speaking, but because of how we've set up our system in the States of looking at the others as like, oh, they're so cool. They're so special. This, that's your only frame of reference, but it could be your actual own ancestors that are actually being riled up and you're not realizing. So I'm always like, start with you. Right. Ancestors. And maybe the African drums or dances that you were drawn to, maybe they're opening the doors of excitement for you to look within yourself and to bring your ancestors in elevation and to like give their practices a seat at the table. Doesn't mean right. to not, you know, like I think people should have the freedom to like understand and learn about other cultures with reverence and res honor and respect. And also look at your own because a lot, I, think, I think a lot of people are ignoring their own ancestors in favor of others. Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like I've done that in my life yeah. uh, for sure. Um, and I guess it's been a, a bit of just ignorance on my own part because I just felt like it was uninteresting <laughs> in some ways. And I really don't know why. Like, oh, mm. I just felt like, oh, it's just not interesting to have mm. European roots. But I haven't really looked into it. And I have been wanting to do like an Ancestry.com and sort of digging in there. I think that's probably a good starting point. Um, I think so. Because it's all, it's all interesting. And I think... <laughs> with the idea of whiteness or Europeanness, because 
It's not everyone in Europe is white. <laughs> so it's so right. weird. And race is so weird. Uh, it is. It is. It's <laughs> uh, because whiteness has been for so long put on the pedestal of being the norm. It also is like, oh, that's like plain and boring, and other things are flavorful. So that if, if yeah. like there's a lot of that there, so then I totally. can see why someone be like, well, then my ancestors are boring, and they're like, bitch, we are exciting. <laughs> we are. They're so <laughs> mad right now. Amazing. I'm sorry. <laughs> And I'm feeling them right now. They're like, tell her that we are not boring. <laughs> They're pissed. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I'm like feeling their heat right now. They're like, I just you started sweating. <laughs> okay. I apologize. <laughs> but that's what needs to really happen. Yeah. That's what needs to happen. We all need to honor our ancestors before we start putting everyone else's ancestors on a pedestal. Yeah. Like, no, like, heal and help them heal and recognize what was done to each other's ancestors, but start honoring and bringing your ancestors up to elevation, honoring them, learning about them, taking pride in them. And not that your desire or interest in taking pride in another person's ancestry will diminish. If anything, I think if you take pride in your own ancestry, like your appreciation for and appropriate, your appreciation for others' ancestors will increase. You're appropriating or treating other people's ancestors with whatever whatever ideas that you approach them with that will decrease as well I, I feel like as you again you heal yourself you become a reflection of what you want to see and experience outside of you and that also includes like really honoring your ancestors oh like they're like on me today <laughs> <laughs> they're like tell them I to honor us and heal us i actually think that's huge though and it's interesting i've you know i've had even conversations on this podcast before uh, talking about ancestry and getting in touch and i've really never felt just like the connection that you're pulling through with that right now even for myself and i think probably the listeners would agree that i've listened to those that this is like oh just a really clear understanding of just like get in touch with your bloodline like really do the work to dig in there because there are things there and you know i think collectively obviously right now we're feeling uh, a lot of ancestral trauma that's raging at the surface of our country and really on a global scale mm -hmm. and we all do have that in our bloodline at one time or another whether you are directly think you're directly related to this thing or not you are and we do have everybody has suffered in at one point or another and it's like can we go back and do the work to bring that to the light that we can actually really let it go because as you said time is an illusion it's all here and by healing us now we heal the past we heal the future and everybody gets to rest easy right yeah yeah we become the living dream of the ancestors you know and it's just a lot of the you know whenever people talk about triggers and other things i you know i was triggered in this situation from whatever it is you know really looking to see you know if if that is your own and even if it is your own to me i always look at again i'm like past versions of ourselves are not who we are in this moment like in this moment we are healed whole to our full embodiment and anytime something is triggered from the past i always like to look at it as well imagine that that's a past version of you coming up and you in this healed state you're seeing that and because of the ideas we have of continuity, like, oh, you are your past, or like, you know, the person you were yesterday is who you are today, because we have that way of thinking, then it's, it 
it's easy for people to then immediately when that trigger comes up, pull it into themselves and be like, I was triggered and now I'm feeling this. That's one way to do it. And the flip side of what you can do is say, oh, whoa, okay, past me came up. And the exercise I give people to do is give that past version of you, whether it's one that keeps coming up or a few that keep coming up, maybe if you have different names you give them, or the collective combination of all your past selves, give that one person the name. Every time it comes up, oh, that Sue or Sally or whatever <laughs> is here. And I, my current self, Oni, I'm whole, healed, I'm the living embodiment of what it looks like to stand in my power. I get to be a reflection to her, this triggered version of what it looks like. So, oh, trauma came up, or the belief that I'm not worthy came up. Oh, I see you. Now how I'm gonna reflect to you that I'm whole and healed, and I'm gonna reflect to you what you perhaps didn't know in those moments when you developed that attachment or trigger. I'm gonna show you what it looks like to walk as a person that knows their worth and knows their value or is not to be messed with. I'm gonna walk in that place. And so not only do you do that for your past versions of yourself, which to me are like your, in, those are your individual ancestors, like your personal, mm -hmm. your ancestors, but your ancestral line, because a lot of times the things that we feel may not be even us in our own experience in this totally. lifetime. It's like, oh shoot, that's some stuff my mom right. dealt with her mom who dealt with her mom. Oh yeah. Energies, energies, energy. If a female is, a female is born with all the eggs, this is my understanding, with all the eggs yeah. she will ever have in her life. Yes. So imagine if that's the case, yes. all the traumas that have been happening that those eggs have been incubating in. So it's like a lot of the stuff you may be feeling may be stuff that is not yours, but your ancestors. So as you feel it, imagine it's just showing up for you to then say, nope, I'm going to heal you. Right. I know what it looks like to not, I know what it looks like. You know that they've actually even done studies with mice and that if they, they do something to the mice very specific and they can see that same disturbance seven generations later. So if, you, if that's not evidence that this is real, that the, you know, all of the female eggs are in there, that's why I think um, really doing like the mother wound work is so important. And, and that's big, a big, a, been a big thing. And I think the collective for a long time is really healing that mother bloodline because it mm -hmm. is, you know, with the eggs and everything that's happening and just the connection to the mother during pregnancy and everything that can happen within the womb and how that actually affects a person in their life, in their genetic code, in their DNA and everything. It's mm. so powerful and it's so huge. And I just yeah. think, wow, how amazing it is it that we are all sort of waking up to this idea that we do have that power to heal our own mothers, to heal our grandmothers, our mm -hmm. great grandmothers who are no longer with us and all of yeah. these these energies and everything that has come before, like you literally hold that power right now. If that mm -hmm. is not magic, I don't know what is. Yeah. Ooh, and Lord, my, I just, I felt like this, like radiating from my heart and it's like, I'm even getting emotional right now. And it's like, there's so much that we can heal when it comes to our relationship with the mothers, like our relationship with our own mothers their mother's mother like mothering in general like the energy of mothering and it again looking at oshun which is again that 
nurturing, mothering, like life-giving energy, looking at Yemoja, which I think a lot of people are familiar with Yemoja, Yemaya, as she's called in Cuba, Yemanja in Brazil, but just healing of that mother energy and something that a few people within my own spiritual community have touched upon. And even as recently as today, you know, one of the things that George Floyd did was call out for his mother. Mm -hmm. Y'all have fucked with things enough. Mm -hmm. I think that that, even that line was such like that really was the breaking point for so many people was like, I know and you and I are both getting emotional right now <laughs> because it's, 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 it's devastating that that's the reality of where we're at. And um, it's devastating that it took something so extreme and brutal to bring this to the light. Um, and the power of mother yeah yeah it's um it's it's time we healed that um and i think you know in addition to um whew, just, you know the ancestors it, like the thing that was coming up really strongly was the earth and and i know i know in some in some schools of thought, you know, the earth is kind of androgynous, has both male and female energy. So it's an interesting perspective. And the perspective that I've been more used to is like mother earth, Mm -hmm. um, that mothering, nurturing energy. And just a a big part of it, if not the genesis of it, is this belief that we're disconnected from the earth, that we're disconnected from nature, that nature's over there and we're over here. And in thus doing so or believing that, like disconnecting from ourselves and our own natures. And the crazy thing is, it's, it's not like, oh, we're disconnecting ourselves. So we're actually putting her there and putting us here. It's like, no, no, you are connected, but you are going around as if you're not. So it's almost like that creates an even more discombobulation because you're denying something that's there mm-hmm. that you're As literally standing not, on and walking like, on and that like is supporting you and holding you up yeah like literally on on every level like physically metaphorically spirit on every single level you are connected yet you are acting as if you don't see that connection or are not living from that connection or benefiting from that connection like you're here you're here <laughs> you are benefiting yet you're alive Mm-hmm. And just the disregard for earth and ourselves that we've had and the ripple effect that that has had. If you, if you disregard mother earth from where you came from, you disregard yourself, then it would make sense that you would disregard other people. <laughs> like just Absolutely. It's, it's a ripple effect, you know? So it's a big part of the healing as we're learning how to love others, love ourselves. A big part of that is to really, reconnect to the recognition and the knowingness that we are connected to mother earth and showing her respect and making a vow setting the intention to honor her honor this land going forward honor the lands that we on that that we get to be on we get to be on this land we get to be here and even, I mean, God, if we even want to go backwards, it's like, actually, did we even get to be here? <laughs> like, 
like, did we actually, you know, what was done in order to do so? So how much, how much reparation, how much repairing of the land needs to happen? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's all of the above. Like we're, let's heal the land. Let's heal our relationship with the land, heal our relationship with each other. And it's, I feel like that ancestral work, healing of the land, healing yeah. of the mothers, it's all, it's like, it's all connected. All connected. And it is all connected. I do resonate so much with it being mother earth, but also when I think about the energy of earth and just that, how much she just gives. And that's that, that mothering energy, you know, it's just constant giving and giving and giving. And we do so much harm and we do such terrible things and she still gives and just gives. And, you know, that's, that's that feminine energy, that love, that just nonstop love. When we, when we heal that aspect within ourselves, you have to treat the earth differently. Mm -hmm. You, you just have to, Uh, you can't, you know, you can no longer do things that maybe you didn't notice that you were doing before. And the more that we're waking up to this, like I was saying to you earlier, I'm excited for this point in in humanity. Um, You know, I've been out there in the protests and with people Mm -hmm. that just want, want true peace, true freedom for people that just really want to see people as people. And to be a part of that, right now i mean i i was i was in tears on and off just in the protest that i was in yesterday because it was just such an outpouring of love and support and i'm excited for humanity because if we can get there with each other we get there with the earth like we can we're in a point now to literally change the world we can dismantle the systems that have been holding people back that have been disrespecting the earth like we are in that position to do that right now and i've never felt like i could make such a difference than i do right now mm. yeah we're, we're swimming in the female energy because female energy is the chaos Mm-hmm. is a destruction you know people like predictable oh, female feminine like, no, 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 no. very unpredictable like, she gets mad she crazy she, like she will like kill you and it's like what needs to be killed right now in yeah, terms so of much. the systems and beliefs so and much. the ideas that we've all been holding on to individually collectively and and i really i really pray that all of us take the energy, harness the energy of these times to not just, you know, consider and look at the change that we want in society, but it's almost like first and foremost, it's like, what are the ways in which we've imprisoned ourselves? What are the ways in which we disregard the earth or disregard that female energy or prop up the male energy? What are the ways we do that individually? And as we continue to shift that, if we all individually, all together shift that within ourselves, then there's no way but for the collective to change. Like th- there's like no way. You can't change yourself and then the collective doesn't change. It's, if we all individually changed ourselves and recognize all the ways that we've been out of balance, like that's the part that I'm, I'm really praying that everyone, rather than seeing this as just a systemic issue, it's like what has a system of you? Mm-hmm. What, what needs to shift in the system of you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's, we, we can't change the world without first changing ourselves. Right. And that's always the thing we all have to look within and say, okay, what about me is on board with this? What about me has been in this flow and, and what is that? What can I do now? You know, I think that 
there's no point in feeling shame and guilt about it. It's like time to move into action. Once you know better, you do better, right? Like the the brilliant Maya Angelou, once you know better, you do better. She knew that (laughs) years and years ago. Sitting in that shame and guilt is not going to do anything. It's when it comes up, rather than people stewing in it or any other emotions that come up, that's the thing. Emotions come up to alert us of something, of a belief that we're holding on to, of something that maybe we didn't do. And it's like, okay, got it. Thanks, emotion, for showing up. And I recognize what you're telling me to do now. How do I utilize you in order to move forward? Guilt and shame ain't going to help anybody unless you take in that and saying, okay, how can I learn? What do I need to do? How do I show up? How do I do something different than what I have been doing, different than what my ancestors did, different so my children can know and already walk in that path of difference. Right. Walk in that path of difference. And that's it. I love it. Oni, Mm -hmm. tell everybody how they can find you. You can find me on Instagram. So it's at Oni.love. That's O-N-Y-I dot L-O-V-E. And my website is also www.oni.love. So definitely check it out. I I do stuff on Instagram. I'll be doing a series of some sound healings on Instagram live. I'm having a few different events that I'm doing and I'm typically on there like a good amount of time. So (laughs) check my posts, check my stories. I'm always, I'm always giving information. I feel like, you know, sometimes some posts get a lot of traction and then some posts I'm like, see, people sleeping on this one, but it's okay. Yeah. They'll come back right? to it. Right, right. <laughs> they'll get it when they need to. I feel that too. I'm like, did you people not read this? Come on. It's so good. <laughs> That's where it's like, don't worry about yeah. that. Whoever yeah. saw it needed to see it. And I'm like, exactly. okay, got it. Exactly. Got it. Okay. okay, check ego. And I have one more question for you. Yeah. What does it mean to you to be a woman unleashed? A woman unleashed is being, seeing, allowing for, showing up as all of me in every single moment, no matter what that looks like. I am in my male and female energy. It's a balance between the two. Sometimes one might come out a little bit more in one moment and the next moment I might switch it up on you and bring that because that's where my higher self is leading you to go and do. But I get to be all of me, no matter what that looks like. And I am bigger than whatever box that you want to put me into, or that even my own mind wants to put me into. I cannot be contained in any way, shape, or form. And so it is. Yes. That is. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. Uh, Thank you, Oni, so much for being here. Thank you so much, Kelly. It's beautiful. And ladies, if you loved the conversation today, please take a screenshot, put us on your IG stories, let us know that you're listening and share it with another sister that needs to hear it. Love you guys so much and I'll talk to you soon. Hey sister, thank you so much for joining me today. If you know another woman that needs to hear this message, I ask that you please share it. And if you absolutely loved what you heard today, I would so appreciate if you could leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes as it helps us to spread the message and grow the community. And that is our number one goal. So if you have not already, join us in the Woman Unleashed Collective on Facebook. This is a safe sisterhood to connect with like-minded women and get all the support you need in your journey to live life 
unleashed. Until next time, sisters, live life a little more boldly and create some magic.